Thanks so much for tuning in to part two of our discussion with Drew Hinton, president and CEO of Aero Safety. On this episode, we're going to dive into how we've seen safety training change as a result of the pandemic. We're going to dive into the future of safety training and also Drew's advice for safety professionals moving forward. Let's get started. Where do you, that makes me think, you know, with everything going on in 2022 already, I mean, everything that we're dealing with even last year, just some of the trends, how do you see, like, how do you really see safety evolving this next year or safety training? Um, You know, do you have, yeah, just like, what's your philosophy around it all? I mean, do you see the same training topics maybe as you did last year, or have you been training on other, other things? Has there been any um, like specific company requests for different topics? How have you really seen safety trending? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm, we're starting to slowly see more and more people bring in, I mean, you and I both outside consultants and outside training services, because, you know, compared to, you know, early 2020 when COVID first hit, it was just to shut everything down. Nobody comes into the facility. We don't really know what to do. But now that we've, I mean, I'm using this term loosely, somewhat got a grasp of COVID, you know, they're, they've already got, for the most part, measures in place so they can start bringing those things in and doing those classes that maybe they've been putting off for a year. You know, OSHA gave, you know, OSHA came out and said, you know, 2020 that they're going to use discretion and because of COVID that if you have to skip, you know, extend the, you know, annual training to, you know, 16 months, 14 months, a little bit longer, that they'll use their discretion because they understand there is COVID. But we're starting to see more, more and more people asking for those hands-on things where they're getting in more close proximity. Um, you know, I've had one quote out this past week that we haven't, haven't done in a while, but we enjoy doing is a, a radiation safety officer course. Uh, it's, usually, oh. it's a, for me, it's one of the more fun classes. Uh, that was kind of one of my specialties within ASMAT is, is radiation and, and nuclear technology. So, it's definitely a fun one, but you know, haven't done that one since pre-COVID. So it's 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 good to be back, getting back and and you know, being back in these facilities. And they're like, so they're bringing companies like you and I into their facilities and and getting people back into the classroom is, is the big thing. I mean, we can. I couldn't agree more with you. That's funny you say that. I feel like a lot. That's yeah. I like the way you said that. I feel like a lot of companies. You know, maybe they were just. For whatever reason, you know, pausing classes, yes, like, you know, being afraid or just maybe not feeling comfortable grouping everyone together. Maybe business was just slower and now they're starting to rehire. But for whatever reason it is, I do feel like companies are starting to get their, you know, and also maybe the budgets are fresh in the beginning of the year now. And so they have the budget for training, but companies that haven't done training in a few years, it seems like are finally starting to say, okay, let's get back to the basics. Yep. And they're, I mean, we've, we've done several, several customers and clients to where they have a lot of people that need to be trained, but, and they'll end up breaking it into a lot, several small sessions so that we can accommodate everybody and they still can do their, you know, physical distancing and social distancing and, we can, you know, sanitize all the equipment in between classes. And so um, they're still expressing a need, but we're still in, we're still meeting the end result that we're getting people trained, which is amazing. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then what about, um, this is something that I was going to ask you actually a few weeks ago, we have, we've been seeing some requests now more than ever 
with more of these behavior-based safety classes. And so even though they're not these OSHA required, um, more of the soft skills, you know, more of the, the leadership type of trainings, have you seen that pick up at all? Or, um, you know, what are your thoughts about, about those types of trainings and what, what that'll look like this year? Right. Yeah. I've, I've slowly started to see that pick up. Um, I would like to see it pick up more, uh, just yeah. because like you said, with the soft skills, um, you know, we just did a class with, with Drager and Marathon a couple of weeks ago, and it was yeah. focused on critical thinking. It was, it was a confined space atmosphere class, two day class, but it was focused on why things occur. So, and you know, when you're talking about the behavior-based safety, we're taking it a step further and understanding why we're doing those unsafe behaviors and unsafe acts. And so you were, I've, we have seen a few people start to ask about that. And I would like to see more um, because it's, you know, especially it's nothing against newer, newer safety professionals, but people that aren't experienced, they, they tend to naturally just, uh, you know, deviate towards, you know, this is black and white when it's not always black and white. We have to understand, you know, why they're doing that. You know, I, I'll yeah. tell people I'm not, I'm not a big believer in common sense because unless you've been there, done that, it's not common to you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we are working um, these last couple weeks. Um, actually, time's been flying by. These last couple months, we've been really working with the OSHA training institution here in Colorado. I have a really good relationship with them. They're they're a phenomenal institution. Um, the, the OSHA training institution here is awesome. And so they have been um, open to more of those soft skills and asking, hey, what is the workforce? Like, what is Weld County, Larimer County? What are you guys really seeing, like boots on the ground? And I mentioned, I said, you know, I've been really seeing the idea of like a stress management class be something that I just feel like our industry needs, our industry as far as just like workforce. I mean, it's not specific to construction or oil and gas manufacturing, trucking. I feel like stress management is just something that is needed. And it, and it really goes into what you were just saying, like that critical thinking piece that there's, there's a reason behind someone's decision, right? And I agree with you that common sense is not to be expected from somebody that, you know, maybe they just graduated high school or maybe they were in a completely different industry entering entering into construction. So, I mean, just safety pro to safety pro. What do you, what do you think about that? A, a stress management class? You think that the industry has an appetite for that? If they don't, they should. Uh, I'm a hundred percent for it because especially right now, even, even two years post COVID starting, I mean, we're yeah. still, you know, labor shortages were being asked to do more with less, right? And so, especially in yeah. you know, the industry you're talking about, construction, oil and gas, we're doing, we're still doing less with, we're still doing more with less people there. And so, that's the stress on that. But I mean, even in considering outside of the workplace factors, right, that come into play. And so, any, any HR professional is going to have most, a lot of companies will have that um, employee assistance program that you can call. But that's about the extent of most companies do, right? So yeah. they say, Here, here's a confidential line, go call it. Don't let us know what happened because we, you know it's confidential, but that's the extent of it. They don't really take it into consideration. And I know they came out with the, um, the ISO standard. I forget what number it is because there's a million different numbers out there, but about, <laughs> yeah. referring to the mental, it was covering mental health. And so I, I do think that is good. I, I, I would love to see that. I would love to yeah. see that more. 
they were talking about making it almost a train the trainer class. Um, something that like our instructors could go through, you know, anybody, anybody could fly in and take that class. I mean, so they're going to, there's, we're starting to write out the objectives and what it would cover. And I love how you worded that just that our industry, the construction, oil and gas, they are being asked to do more with less. I mean, that is absolutely true for so many industries right now. And the labor shortage, I mean, it is just, uh, it's just a really a stressful time and it's skills and techniques that you could take outside of the workplace. But, um, and going off of what you said with the, with the ISO standard there is that, it is more of a mental health conversation. They were just asking, is, does the industry have an appetite for the word mental health yet? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Let's call it stress management and no one will know the difference. <laughs> and they were like, cause it really is a mental health class. Jeez. Like everyone's going through it. Um, but okay. Well, that's interesting. I was, I, I was just curious if that was something that many of your clients have been asking for, but where you're at, where you're, um, where you're, where the company's based out of, I know you travel a ton, but what industries do you mainly serve? I guess I'm so used to saying oil and gas and construction, but what, what companies do you primarily work with? Uh, we do a lot of manufacturing and chemical, but we're really in any, mm -hmm. just about any industry. Uh, we've got customers up in New Hampshire that are, you know, aviation maintenance facilities. And we got oh, several wow. down in the Texas Permian Basin area that, you know, oil and gas, but they're more or less parts of the oil and gas. So they're making, making large gate valves for the oil and gas industry, I mean, 50 foot tall <laughs> gate valves. Um, but there are primary ones, primarily we focus on any kind of manufacturing, then specifically chemical manufacturing is a big, big one. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Oh my gosh. That's cool. Is there anything that the company, your company is, um, up to right now? Anything that any new courses that you guys are looking at developing or, um, any new partnerships, anything exciting like that for the, for the year? Well, we're looking at doing more of the train to trainer courses on, on several topics, but we're also looking at, uh, we're, we're partnering with HSI, the health, health and safety Institute for all of our CPR first aid. And we're looking at becoming a, or teaching the instructor development courses so that we can train other first aid CPR instructors. Perfect. Um, you know, like I said, I think that's one of the most fruitful classes you can have because it does apply outside the workplace. And so the more people I can get teaching that, whether it's for me or not, I don't care who they are, but I, I like to see, you know, somebody responding because most of the times that just going back to my fire and EMS career, if there was somebody that we got called out to for a cardiac arrest, most of the time that somebody walked out of the hospital or survived was when somebody was there doing CPR on before we got there. It was, it was more or less music to our ears to get dispatched and say, you know, respond to this address, cardiac arrest, CPR is already in progress. We're like, Hey, this, we got a good chance here. Right. Oh my gosh. Wow. I'm sure you have so many stories. I mean, have, um, this is just out of curiosity, a question like that is, um, how, what is the success rate in, um, with CPR and I mean, not statistically, but I mean, from your actual experience working with the, with the fire department and, you know, let's say that there's, um, like a choking, I mean, was that something? And if, if CPR was uh, being administered, was that still five, less than 5% chance that um, the victim would survive or? 
No, it was actually, and there's, there's a lot of variables in there, but if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably around 25 to 30 percent um, oh, wow. probability. And actually, uh, back in, I think it was 2013, 14, somewhere around there, uh, Louisville Metro EMS started to demo the Lucas device. I don't know if you've seen those, but they're uh, the CPR devices to where it, I mean, it looks like a plunger, but it takes, yeah. takes the responder's hand off and it does consistent CPR, consistent compressions. And they demoed that for about a year because I mean they're five ten thousand dollars a piece. But we demoed those for a year on on the local metro ambulances, and their survivability rates like doubled just because it was consistent compressions, mm-hmm. and it freed up a responder to do something else if they had to push IVs or you know whatever that may, may whatever that may be. But and that's and that's what you're starting to see with you know American Heart Association Red Cross is they're focusing on that high quality CPR, not just doing compressions, but doing it consistent rate, consistent depth. And so, um, I mean, so any, anywhere we, with or without the Lucas device, I mean, it's gonna, like I said, uh, without it, it was gonna fluck, it was around 25, 30%, but like I said, doubled that one year. And after that, they put every ambulance, purchase one of those because oh of that. Um, oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. And um, we're American Red Cross instructors, and that just seems to be, you're right. I mean, that that seems to be a class where we continuously get the same feedback of, yes, thank you. Um, you know, my employer sent me through this class, and, and that was great, but these are life skills that I'm able to to take on to my family. I mean, so absolutely. That's a, um, any other trends with that class, as far as, you know, being able to add your own spin and twist, like what are some hands-on things that you guys always do? Like for your first aid training classes, is there anything fun (laughs) that you're able to do? (laughs) Yeah, we've, we've actually got a full size, uh, it's actually a nursing mannequin. So it's, I mean, it's about as, I'll just say anatomically correct as you can be. (laughs) Um, Does it have a name? Does that, does it have a name? Does everyone get crazy with it? Dwight the dummy. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. We, we have the, um, just like the half size quarter size mannequins for our classes and every week they're rearranged you go to our training room and people like place them in odd areas and scare the crap out of people but anyways okay so you have a dummy it has a name okay yeah so um you know depending on the customer sometimes they'll want like hey let's do a cpr first a half day session and then sometimes they'll want a full let's do eight hour and really really dive into it um and so that's where the full size comes into play like we'll like you said we'll use the half size you know the the just upper torso mannequins like we would for CPR. But with that, with the one that we have, I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's got like injection sites and we could dress it up, put it, I've used it for high angle rescue classes, put it in a mannequin, hang it up in the air and have them rescue that person. But we'll, uh, and we've got moulage kits that we can put into play and let them really treat the person because we'll, you know, we'll let them practice on each other and, and, you know, whether it's bleeding control or if it's, you know, doing a tourniquet, whatever that may be. And then yeah. we'll run the full scenario. Um, and, and it's just small things that the people tend to forget in the training aspect of it. And then they get to the real one, real world incident and they're like, what's going on? And what I mean by that is something as simple as like with CPR, cutting the clothes off, taking the bras off. Like I saw um, one of the, one of the CPR, MCR medical, they come out with like, or maybe it's Preston, one of the one of the medical oh, yeah. training facilities came out with a a bra, you know, 
accessory to put on your training mannequins because people completely forget about that. Oh, wow. So they, that's so, mm -hmm. And they, you know, I'll, I'll do a scenario and I'll put them in a Tyvek suit in a harness. You know, they're working up somewhere and then they just completely freak out. Like, what are we supposed to do? I'm like, just take it all off. And they, they get so focused on what they learn in class and then they forget about those small minor details that end up adding up and they freeze up, you know, for lots of different reasons. Absolutely. And so, and so it's just a matter of repetition, like I said, making it as realistic as possible so that, yeah. you know, if we're training it like in real life in the pick, in the classroom, then they're going to be at least expecting it in the real world. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's an awesome philosophy. Yeah. The bet, the more realistic, the more rememberable and the, um, the more chance that somebody will be able to repeat what they learned in class. I feel like we share that same philosophy that, you know, it's just about being as hands-on and technical in a classroom as, as physically possible, you know, to really bring the training to life and make sure that students are leaving with some tools that will hopefully save their life. Somebody else's, um, that's fantastic. So, okay. Um, holy smokes. Well, I, if, if you are not, we're going to drop all of your links to your social media into your company. I want people to see, uh, what your company does because it's absolutely incredible. I love the seeing the qual you could, you could see the quality of training, um, through your social. I think that, you know, I think that what you do is fantastic and any other, um, I mean, do you have any last pieces of advice for safety professionals that are maybe trying to to level up their safety training for this year? They're trying to do something different or they're just trying to be more effective. Do you have any advice for safety professionals this year? Uh, so the first thing is, is is something I learned. It was instilled with me in the fire department was, you know, and you'll see it at the bottom of a lot of my social media posts is train like your life depends on it because it does. And, and so, you know, we kind of instill uh, that making people, you know, more or less go to a class that's, oh, here's another Haswell for eight hour class. This is going to be boring, but let's make it fun. But, you know, we can make that fun. But the yeah. biggest thing I think for, you know, experienced or new safety pros is involving your workers in the training program. Hey, what do you all want to see? What do you want to get trained on? What in your eyes are the biggest hazards that you're facing? Because, yeah, most, yeah. Most of the safety pros are being honestly. We're we're sitting in offices. We're not we're not doing the work that they're doing. They're more knowledgeable of those hazards than we are as far as what they're facing. But we can incorporate them, bring them in, and, and use that when we're developing our training program so that we can cater it and make it. That's how you make it more realistic. Is you tell me what you're dealing with, and we'll we'll make it happen, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'll tell you, I have never had more of an effective meeting than when I've used that line that you just said, what are the hazards that you feel like are most important? What are the hazards that you feel like we should cover within the next three months of safety meetings or next month's safety meeting? What do you think that uh, we should, we should cover? And holy smokes, if you could just as simple as engaging your employees that way. I mean, the feedback that you'll receive and the pressure that'll be taken off your back from, you know, developing a 2022 training plan, ask the team and just engage them. I couldn't agree with you more. So, um, well, this time went by really, really fast. I think I went over and, but I just, I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate your time today, Drew. Thank you so much. I hope that we can make this a part two. I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking again in a few months. So I appreciate it. Thank you. 
All right. Well, everyone, again, if to learn more about Drew and his company, we'll link his business, his contact information in the description. And thank you so much for listening to us. And we'll talk with you soon. But thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode.